This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. And away we go. Welcome to The Adam Ritz Show. My name is Adam Ritz. I'm your host. Joining me from a safe social distance on the telephone is Jay Baker. Hello, Jay. How are you? Hey, Adam. I am doing great. Back to uh, work myself. We covered this last week. I'm in the office right now. I'm in the uh, Vibonomic Studios uh, in the recording booth. And uh, usually you're here right next to me. Uh, it's a smaller studio for a, it's for a two-man show, so you'd be within six feet of me. So, you know, I don't know how much you touch your face or not. I don't, I, I'm sort of glad you're not here uh, socially, safely tucked away 2.7 miles away in your house, in your home studio. Uh, do you t- how often do you touch your face? You know, I am so cognizant of it now. I'd like to say much less than I ever used to, but it is interesting how we unconsciously touch our faces. That's just sort of part of being human so that's why they say wash those hands I, f- I find myself uh, at, at home when I'm in my home office and I've got the the news channels on and and I hear you know in the background something about don't touch your face the first thing I do is touch my face it's kind of like when <laughs> uh, when somebody if you're ever hearing anybody talk about their posture and they're like you know I really got to work on my posture and sit up straighter the first thing you do is sit up straighter I just did it right now I'm sure you did, too. Yeah, life's like that. Uh, Well, we've been looking over the past few weeks on this public affairs show at how uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic is uh, affecting life uh, across the the board for everyone. Hopefully, uh, your life uh, has just been minorly inconvenienced, and uh, we're keeping those huge, huge problems at bay. I know there's a lot of financial and health problems that are negatively affecting so many families in the country. Uh, There was uh, another little inconvenience that's popped up this week that I noticed in the news, and it's really disappointing. Uh, Buffet restaurants are probably not going to make it through the COVID-19 pandemic. Buffet restaurants. I have so many fantastic memories at buffets across the country, and those probably are not going to make it. And Jay, I know you love a a buffet as much as the next guy. Oh, I love buffets, and you and I famously had a very well-to-do friend. His favorite restaurant on the planet, inexplicably, was a buffet, because they tend to be a little homier and less expensive. But boy, that was his favorite kind of restaurant. He'll be crushed. And, of course, I think uh, a number of Americans, from a nostalgia standpoint, will miss the buffet. One area where the buffet goes away is in the city of Las Vegas, which is famous for its buffets. So that's actually kind of a big thing for them. I read that uh, there are Las Vegas buffets right now going through million-dollar renovations to prepare for the fact that uh, users and customers are, are probably not even going to want to go into a buffet and, and go to a, a mass display of food that's been sitting there. Yeah, that's the other part of it as well is consumer confidence. Uh, it would be one thing to bring the buffet back. It's would everybody want to go to the buffet? 
knowing kind of what we're learning during this pandemic. My parents, I have to break the news to them. They're in uh, Florida, and there's a buffet chain uh, in the South called Sweet Tomato. And uh, it used to be a tradition when I'd fly in to visit them, they'd pick me up at the airport and we'd go straight to Sweet Tomato to have, uh, it was kind of like a salad bar soup buffet. So they didn't really have a a full menu, like a, like an old country buffet or a, um, a golden corral. Uh, it was a high-end soup and salad buffet. And I just read that 79 of their national locations are closing, closing the doors for good. Yeah, I think that that is what's going to happen with just about anybody in the buffet business. And as you said, some uh, buffets may retool, but it will not be food readily available out in the open, even if it is behind protective plexiglass. I just think that's going to be kind of a no-go for most communities. Well, they've been on the decline uh, for the past 20 years, since the year 2000, the restaurant industry has increased and the buffet restaurant industry has decreased. So they've been on the decline anyway. You throw in uh, a pandemic in, involving um, germs and uh, getting infected by touching services that have germs on them, uh, it's, it's not looking good for the buffet industry. Uh, and you start talking, you mentioned nostalgia. Uh, the, one of the reasons they've done studies on why they're so popular, and it's because of, uh, you know, family get-togethers, graduation parties, just a quick, easy, uh, you're celebrating something, uh, somebody in the family did something good, uh, you want to recognize somebody uh, in the family, you, you just meet at, a, you meet at the buffet, and it's, you can get a big table, there are so many food options, everybody gets what they want, and they get as much as they want, it's a great way to celebrate on a whim. And that kind of nostalgia, I mean, sure, just explaining that, I'm sure you thought of several family uh, get-togethers at a buffet just for that reason. I, I know I, with my kids, they're grown up and gone now, but I can remember so many times we ran to a buffet to celebrate something. And those days, it's just a, a sad reminder of all the ways lives, uh, life's going to change because of the coronavirus. We'll have to explain to generations uh, downriver what a buffet even was. Yeah, that is a great point. My kids uh, loved uh, a certain brand of buffet. I can, well, we can mention all these because sure. I think they're going to alter. They used to love to go to Sizzler. And the thing that they were most enraptured about was after they ate their huge meal, which, of course, their eyes got as big around as dinner plates. After they'd eat their huge meal, then, of course, it's nonstop as much frozen yogurt as you wanted. Mm. They absolutely left the, you know, the buffet as full as humans could possibly be. So well, don't right, miss it. Right on the, on the tail end of that conversation, the buffets are – closing, uh, you've got remaining restaurants that have, you know, maybe like, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, Ruby Tuesday. I don't know if you've been there lately, but uh, they've got that sort of unlimited salad bar and it's fantastic. And you can go in, you get a meal and you can add the unlimited salad bar to your meal. And I mean, you can go to town on the salad bar and take your meal home and have it for lunch the next day. There are restaurants that are now even thinking about how they're going to move forward with not having a salad bar. 
Because in you essence, know, it, your your little salad bar in your restaurant is kind of like a miniature buffet uh, for the crowd to go up and touch. Those days are gone. Yeah, it will definitely be altered. Well, I hate to. Uh, hopefully, I didn't just ruin somebody's day that uh, in their favorite restaurant is Ruby Tuesday because of that salad bar. And now they're like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> yeah, I was absolutely. having such a good day till the jerk on the radio <laughs> said that that I won't be able to go get uh, the pudding and my salad at the same time at the Ruby Tuesday salad bar. This uh, isn't the first day that you've ruined someone's life, but not, go on. Not the first time someone <laughs> said, oh, that jerk on the radio. What's he talking about? Uh, well, this is uh, the Adam Rich Show. We're brought to you by Vibonomics. Thank you, Vibonomics, for underwriting the program. Vibonomics is an audio software company providing in-store music and voiceover messaging, including advertisements and promotional messages, to retail locations across the country. You can learn more about them at vibonomics.com. And we have a link uh, on our website to the Vibonomics team. So if you just if you can't spell it, didn't hear what I said, just go to adamritzshow.com and find the link to Vibonomics. Jay Baker, so you're getting along well. Uh, I apologize I ruined your day. The buffets are probably going to go away. Uh, you and I will have to find somewhere else to go have lunch after we record the show. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hungry now all of a sudden. But one of the neat things about this show is we've been able to get uh, some interesting numbers from Nielsen Research. And they took a good look uh, this last week of how America is adjusting to the pandemic. Because as you might imagine, every experience is so individual, yet there is a collective consciousness involved. You know, the saying that we're all in this together, well, we truly are. Um Though they found an interesting number, 63% of everyone they polled believed that next month they'll resume at least some normal activities. So they feel like that things are picking up enough steam with reopenings that they'll at least do some normal things next month. And that's, you know, two thirds of Americans believe that right now. I hope so. Uh, I like to believe that too. Uh, I can tell you my. Uh, girlfriend and I, we have a, a standing summer tradition. We go to the drive-in once a week on Sunday night. We go to the drive-in. And uh, where we live, the drive-in opened this week. And they do have social distancing measures in place. Uh, you're not allowed to go into the snack bar. You can or download their app to order food from the snack bar that will be delivered to your car. You're not allowed to leave your car. You have to park X amount of parking spaces away from the next car. Uh, which is what we did anyway, <laughs> to be honest with sure. you. So um, the drive-in uh, might be making a comeback with uh, social distancing and the way people are or are not going to movie theaters. Uh, a drive-in seems to be safer. You're going to be sitting in your own car in your own filth uh, at the risk of having <laughs> White Castle hamburger wrappers at your feet or whatever. whatever's in your car. Is, you put it there. Um Germs or otherwise. So we're, we're going this Sunday night. We're looking forward to it. And uh, gosh, I hope in the next month we're doing a lot more than just that. Well, absolutely. I'm with you all the way. And that is an interesting throwback because within the last 10 years, most people were proclaiming that a drive-in is a completely passe thought process, that any new drive-in would not open at all, but that could certainly change. You'll appreciate this, Adam. There's, and this is what's so great about America. These camps fell into exactly 
groupings of thirds. The uh, main takeaway from Nielsen was that they said that there's a wait and see group that's about 30% and then a ready to go group that's about 31%. And then everyone else is kind of neutral between those two. But you'll appreciate this when they said, okay, are you in the wait and see group? Are you in the ready to go group? They asked them a couple of questions and predictably these groups answered as you think they might. They asked the wait and see group, do you feel safer than you were a month ago? And only 1% said they did. However, in the ready to go group, 85% of those respondents said, yeah, I do definitely feel safer than I felt a month ago. I don't know so how I you could say, even if you're in that wait and see group, I don't know how you could say that you don't feel safer now than you did a month ago. Because I'm kind of that. that that's what I connected to. I, I'm I'm kind of a wait and see guy. I'm going to wait and see. I don't want to run out and just be the first one to go get a haircut in a barber shop and then find out in a month that we all got sick. Uh, but I feel entirely safer now than I do than I did a month ago for sure. I can't believe that's I only one percent. And I was surprised as well, but only one percent. And then um, when asked, my city is emerging from. Uh, some of the quarantining that's been going on, the wait and see group, only 4% felt that yes, their city was emerging. However, in the ready to go group, that was 83%. And I can't help but feel uh, this wait and see group that Nielsen encountered must be extremely cautious. And I think we do want to urge caution moving forward. I don't want you to listen to the show today and go, let's rush out and do whatever we want. But I really do feel, and I certainly bet you get that feel, Adam, that as you drive around, you feel that things are emerging. It does feel, you know, a lot better. And I'm in the office right now, and usually there are 40 to 50 people in the office on a normal day pre-COVID. Uh, today there were three. And interacting with those two other people uh, felt completely fine and normal. You know, I didn't feel like it was a, a cootie contest or that I had to stay 12 feet away or I'd catch a disease. Uh, you know, like I actually felt that way a month ago, you know, walking outside uh, through a park or a parking lot or in my own neighborhood. I felt like I had to be, you know, 50 feet away from somebody or I was going to um, just evaporate. <laughs> like the skin was yes. going to fall off my bones and I would just evaporate or sink into the earth. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. And of course, we urge everyone to take proper caution. One of the things that Nielsen found is that there will be more support for local businesses. As you well know, many people were urged to continue to utilize their favorite restaurant, if possible, for to-go and delivery. Uh, you know, And I think a lot of people responded to that. And a lot of restaurants, I think, were very grateful that people were supporting local restaurants. You know, I'll add on top of that. I, I think um, a lot of uh, people that get carry out pre-COVID, you are less likely to tip the person that uh, bagged up your food. And I mean, you know, the, the philosophy has been, uh, you know, you tip your waiter, waitress, your server, 
when you know for for prompt service and they're bringing you new cocktails new drinks new waters a clean fork if you drop one on the floor uh, they come back to check on you if the food is right if you need a, re- uh, a replacement side dish or if you want dessert and then based on that attentiveness you base their tip on that well if you get carry out none of that matters so you just kind of if you tip at all it's only a buck or two just to say uh, hey thanks for putting my food in the bag um through COVID, I, I've, I've been real conscious about tipping a normal amount, tipping the normal 20% I usually tip, because I know right. that those that that person that threw the food, food in the bag w- would have served me if I were allowed to go into the restaurant and sit down, sat down, you know, sit down and eat. And they are um, they're going through their own uh, tough part of this go around too, and I'm sure their tips are down, their their earnings are down, and their bills remain the same. So if you can afford to tip, uh, be, I guess, a little more conscious about, throw, don't be afraid to throw that tip down on the bill when you're only walking in to get carry out. That is a great point. And in this Nielsen survey, Americans said that they were feeling more relaxed and they were feeling more connected. And like you just said, you now become aware that the person that put that food in your bag is a guy just like yourself. He just happens to be in a different industry and he could be suffering right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. For Americans to feel safer, the respondents basically said they would love to see mandatory quarantine for anybody who tests positive. And I know that almost sounds like a duh, but if you haven't, if you think about this, we don't necessarily have a real thought out procedure. And we're dealing with the fact, I just read a recent article where Americans are somewhat avoiding hospitals right now because they equate that with being sick and nobody wants to be sick while this is going on. But the medical profession is somewhat concerned that people who would go to an emergency room, where are they going if they're not going to the emergency room? So interesting point on that one. Very, yeah. Americans said that they would feel safer if there was an improved treatment for those that do have coronavirus. And that's probably a very good point as well, is because the treatment strategies vary so widely between Europe uh, and America and even the original place where this started to occur in China, that there really isn't a, a roadmap necessarily for treatment. And they would love to see a reduction in cases, which in thankfully, as we're doing the show right now, we're seeing that now a reduction in cases in communities. Mm-hmm. Now, post coronavirus, how is America going to look? Believe it or not, 21 percent hope to continue to work from home post pandemic. Twenty one percent. 21% hope mm. to just continue to work from their home. So whatever their experience has been working from home, that means 21% of workers say, hey, I, I kind of dig it. I, I'm totally fine with it. I wonder what the percentage of workers who can work from home is just based on overall, you know, you have an electrician or a plumber. There's no way they can work from home. A truck driver cannot work from home. So Correct. what's the percentage of the American worker that can work from home? Um, so is that 20 percent? good question. Is that 20 percent of all American workers, all Americans, or just the people that are able to work from home? 
That is a very good question, and my research from Nielsen Research does not indicate which group they asked this of. But let's just say that, you know, everything being equal, for those that are able to work from home, 20% of them are saying, hey, I'd like to continue to work from home past pandemic. Uh, I think most people feel disassociated from the office if you work from home too long. Uh, I know I, I sound like a wimp, but I feel a little, you know, what you kind of feel like a distant satellite if you just are by yourself all the time. Let's do a survey right now based on uh, two American workers. Two American uh, workers. Jay and Adam. Uh, would you rather work from home once this is over? I would not. I will, um, I will answer with a little bit of a hybrid. I mean, if it was black or white, one or the other, I would absolutely want to come back to the office. Uh, right. But I do see a lot of advantages to working from home uh, with what we do and and how I do what I do. I can get uh, a lot a lot more done in a, in a different way almost. I can uh, save gas money. I can save time. Uh, the days I do drive to the office, it's a half-hour drive to the office for me. So out of a, a possible... Out of a 12-hour window to work, there's an hour of it wasted on uh, in mm-hmm. traffic. So I, I can see me not uh, using fuel or gasoline and not having a vehicle on the highway would probably be good for the environment. I mean, there's a lot to say about some sort of hybrid uh, of working from home when uh, when this is over and i and i wouldn't doubt it i mean jay you'll we'll talk again in a year to see uh, if i'm actually sitting at my desk in my office uh, but there's going to be some sort of hybrid from uh, adam ritz <laughs> no I, I i appreciate your candor in that and as you said everyone is is geared differently and you raised a great point there's other intangibles involved and even something as simple as polluting the air for an hour every day you know you may opt to have more productivity at home and actually be a little friendlier to the environment, spend less money on vehicle maintenance and gas. I mean, you raise so many great points that there yeah. are some intangibles that are involved in this. Let's it's take not a just look. An easy equation. Let's take a look at how uh, how I eat lunch when I'm at home versus when I'm in the office. In the office, it, it's at least an hour in the middle of the day. Uh, that I need to go uh, eat lunch. At home, it might only take 16 minutes because I just get up, go to the fridge, grab something, throw it in the microwave, throw it in my mouth, and I'm done. Great point. Uh, I, I didn't have to drive somewhere. I didn't have to look at a menu. I didn't have to decide whether or not I want to have this or that or the other. Um, didn't have to spend 10 minutes with a coworker saying, nah, <laughs> let's let's not go there. I had that last week. I don't want that this right. week. Um, and I know I, you could, you know, the listener is saying, well, why don't you just bring your lunch to work, you idiot? And then it only take you 25 <laughs> minutes to eat lunch. <laughs> well, well, with your, uh, with your, uh, culinary acumen, bologna sandwiches, that would just wear you down after a while. You, you wouldn't want to eat it. You get sick of the bologna sandwich every single day <laughs> in the office. Quick. Absolutely. No, these are some great points. And, uh, speaking of surveys, here's a survey. Have you found... Uh, during this uh, stay-at-home time period, have you found yourself investigating things like grocery delivery? Oh, investigating? That's how I've been eating. Uh, Yes. Um, I'm having uh, Instacart. 
uh, Costco, Kroger. Uh, so I've I've sort of combined the curbside pickup from Kroger grocery store with the uh, actual home delivery from Costco. So yeah, I haven't stepped foot inside a store uh, you know since the middle of March. You're not the only one, and you're absolutely correct. Is having uh you know, your groceries restocked at home via delivery, I think is something that a lot of Americans will be turning to. Now, I did uh, hit Kroger last week, and I, I really discovered how much I missed it. Because when you're in the store, you can find things that you would have other not, otherwise not thought of, uh, maybe, maybe some sort of deal, buy one, get one free, it's right in front of your face. Uh, when you're ordering online, you just click through and say, yes, I need bread, yes, I need eggs, yes, I need cheese. Uh, but when you're in the store, you end up buying that 28-pound uh, bag of Reese cups that you didn't know you needed. <laughs> By the way, for anyone listening to this show, the real treat is to go to a Kroger with Adam Ritz. I've had the experience more than once, and it's impressive to say the least. Yes. You'll glance over, and all of a sudden, you see this uh, hulking giant with an armload of food because you are an impulse guy. It's great. And you're like, I didn't know that this store even sold that. (laughs) (laughs) There's a guy to your right that is carrying more food than a human could eat in a week. It's just the best ever. Uh, And I do eat it within a week for sure. It's funny stuff. Uh, 50% of Americans uh, post-pandemic will probably avoid public transportation and probably, and this was a sector that was increasing rapidly pre-pandemic, will probably even avoid rideshare services like Uber and Lyft. Both of those companies have taken a real battering in this pandemic age. That is a great point. Gosh, I haven't I haven't had to take an Uber in so long. That was out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, that... Uh... Uh, I want to get off. When we finish this show, I'm going to look up their stocks and see what's happened to Uber with all the ride shares. Absolutely. Great point. It's an industry that's really depressed. And, you know, I I hate to say this because it makes me sound so self-indulgent, but my Uber app was my favorite on the phone because it's just kind of like, oh, I need to go somewhere. And that's how you made friends, too, when you were... You had nothing to do and nowhere to go with because you didn't know anybody. You'd say, you know what? I'm going to call an Uber and drive across town. At least I'll have a half an hour conversation with somebody. Somebody will want to talk to me if I just get an Uber. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, a uh, couple of quick things, Adam, as we get close to wrapping up the Adam Rich show. Uh, in the airline world, Frontier Airlines is going to be the first airline to require a pre-departure temperature check and they're going to start doing that on June 1st. That seems, you know, no-brainer, sort of no-brainer-ish. Um, I, I think you mentioned a lot of Americans are going to be reluctant to use public transportation. Uh, I was just talking with my family about uh, the airline industry and this summer, um, maybe even by the end of the summer, if uh, restrictions are lifted and we're somewhat back to some sort of normal life. Um, we still probably aren't going to take a, a quote unquote summer vacation on an airplane. We'll might, we might drive down, just drive down to Florida, uh, right. stay at my parents. My parents will be back up North. The house is sitting there empty. We might just drive down to Florida for a week, uh, just so we can look at, uh, some ocean and some sunsets and, uh, maybe have some key lime pie and then drive home. 
Well, you're very correct. Airline travel right now for many people is something that they are a little bit afraid of. The airlines, as you might imagine, are sort of fighting for bringing back the passengers. They want to do it safely, but they too would love for you to travel on the airlines. One of the first airlines that actually required wearing a face mask in the boarding areas as well as on the aircraft is JetBlue. Now, they were the first but almost every domestic carrier is strongly suggesting that you wear a face mask when you're on the aircraft. Uh, yeah, at this point, I don't know how you can get on an airplane without a temperature check or a face mask. I don't know how that's not how that's not standard across the board. I agree that that's definitely something that's going to be probably across the board for all the airliners. And Delta just announced that they are doing a complete sanitation of the interior of the aircraft for all flights. Initially, they were only able to accommodate this um, very first part of the day. And as you probably know, planes get used uh, throughout the day. But Delta now is saying that they will completely sanitize the interior prior to every flight. And they expect almost every other airline to follow suit because at least that will make you feel a little more comfortable about boarding the plane and then plopping your butt down in the seat. Yeah, that's all. All of this is so interesting to think about how life has changed, how it will continue to change, how you're going to have to describe to your grandchildren how you used to take an Uber to the old country buffet uh, and <laughs> what that meant. Like it was a uh, a compact disc or a Betamax tape. Uh, well, thank you, Jay, so much for everything. Uh, for our listeners, thank you for climbing aboard this public affairs show. Learn more and hear past episodes at adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com.